Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. Maybe I should give you a name. What I'm about to tell you is top secret. The Coffee Clash Podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coffee Clutch Crew Mr. Robot episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And this week we try to defrag episode 404, Not Found. Where Elliot, Mr. Robot, and Tyrell walk in a winter wonderland. Darlene meets a bad Santa, and Dom is on the prowl. IMDb is giving this an 8.7, which makes that just barely the lowest rated so far this season, and Rotten Tomatoes a 100%. More like the best Santa ever. (laughs) Yes, he is. I can't wait to talk to Bias. The critics say, even apart from Dom's actual nightmare, this episode leaps deftly back and forth over the line of dream logic, following both the Anderson siblings on two separate journeys— toward what ultimately turns out to be the same emotional destination. And I'll say it's interesting because this episode was different. It had a slightly different feel to it, much as I had felt with episode two, and I looked it up. It is also written by Kyle Bradstreet. So he's got a certain style for sure. Yeah. This episode was very beautiful. Yes, I'm hearing a lot of conflicting opinions, and people are very vehement on both sides of it. It was even... It was either the best episode of Mr. Robot ever, or it was slow-paced and they didn't really enjoy it. I wouldn't say the best episode ever. It was very enjoyable. Again, very beautiful, very artsy. I like the way, and this might just be me, even though this is set in Christmas, and we do see see a Santa, we see the Santa's house with all the Christmas decorations... I felt like with it being Halloween weekend, it had a Halloween-esque, or dare I say, the Nightmare Before Christmas, because that was Halloween and Christmas, feeling to it in the woods. It was definitely more horror movie. The lighting, the fog, the glow behind the trees that were in silhouette. There's points of build-up scoring where it's almost scary movie music. Artistically, I absolutely adored it. I thought it was beautiful. There was a lot of symbology happening. You did actually feel scared. At certain points, it was great character analysis. I can also understand people that are frustrated because plot-wise, this did not really move anything forward. We slowed down, took a step back to look at three different stories. Also, besides the plot not being pushed forward, it's either Sam Esmail giving us a big clue or messing with our brains as far as who is the third personality. But we'll get into that later. There's definitely power of threes because, yeah, we have three storylines here, one with Dom, one with Darlene one with Tyrell and Elliot. Then when they're out walking in the woods, they make another point to show us Tyrell with Elliot and Mr. Robot. It's just all over the place this time (laughs) around. So I felt a little of both. I understand this is the right time of the season to slow things down a little bit. Conversely, they've been building up and leaving you hanging on a lot, pretty much every episode (laughs) so far. And not fulfilling. And White Rose isn't even in this one. So there is a feeling of frustration. I want a few answers. And there are parts that I don't know if I enjoy being so straightforward dreamlike. Everything that happens with Dom. I don't know why we needed that storyline. It doesn't seem to fit in with everything else. I get the point of it. That she's trapped, she can't be free, but does it really teach us anything new about her or the overall plotline? No, it doesn't. Actually, every scene that we've had with Dom this season doesn't push her story forward at all. Mm. Maybe it lets us know that she's in turmoil, which we already assumed, right? Uh, That she's having trouble being the Dark Army's pawn. It's everything she goes against. But especially this episode, I think 
this episode would have been stronger without that story. Absolutely. While Darlene is on a different journey, I think this quote is correct, takes her to a similar emotional place as Elliot. Plus, it's playing with the fact the entire time of her relationship with him, is she coming to a point where she can no longer act the way she has been? Does she need to finally listen to Tobias, put herself first, consider her own safety? Is she even going to go through with this hack on virtual realty? Fun play on names. We'll get to that. What has she decided basically by the end of the episode when she parks that car? And is she actually going after Elliot? But let's slow things down for one second and talk background. We have the origin of our title. This one, 404 Not Found where the requested resource cannot be found but may be available in the future. Subsequent requests by the client are permissible. We get a ton of references to not found throughout the episode, starting off when Tyrell and Elliot are talking in the apartment, staging this coup to try to get to the van, and Elliot saying, boot device not found. Then they can't find the van. Then they get lost in the woods. They can't find the road. The whole Tyrell speech when he's talking about, I always tried to fit in, be part of something. He's trying to find himself, basically. And the opposite of what he thought with Elliot not caring, we we find out from Elliot that's not true. He's still trying to find himself as well. And the big one, the speech for Mr. Robot, we've been getting a couple of these. I'm a little confused as to what this could mean. Perhaps we can think about it over the course of this podcast. He says, seems like we're always thinking of ourselves in looking for something that's lost, but we don't think much much about the loss. Whatever, whoever is unable to be found, whether it's a set of keys left somewhere and forgotten, a couple guys wandering aimlessly in the woods, someone who's disappeared inside himself what if that's what they wanted all along not to be found i don't know well i'm trying to not be too literal with anything sam asmel does they give us an actual speech about not wanting to be found well not wanting to be found by the dark army that is true and ultimately tyrell does kind of sacrifice himself, walk off so the Dark Army can't find him, perhaps granting Elliot a little bit more time. Now, who knows what it is he actually found by the end of the episode, if anything, or if it was just the light to the other side. That's a point for theory speculation. But also, we continue to get great music as our backdrop. We had Joey by Concrete Blonde that plays as Darlene and Tobias talk in the car. Total Control by the Motels when Dom brings Rachel to her apartment. Power to Believe by the Dream Academy when Darlene confides in Tobias. And then Tyrell is singing Jewel Jewel Strawland. A Christmas song. His Christmas song. (laughs) (laughs) There's also a cool atmospheric sound this episode every time Mr. Robot Elliot and Tyrell were talking. Did you notice that? It was spooky, but also kind of uh, maybe like a massage parlor or I get acupuncture. So that atmospherical kind of music. Almost nature yeah. type sounds. Was, yeah, it was cool. Mm-hmm. Speaking of nature type sounds, what was that animal in the woods? Crazy. I also have to admit I was wrong last episode when I said, surely we can't go a whole other episode. We're at Christmas Eve night. The meeting is tomorrow, Christmas Day. How long can we stretch that <laughs> while we have an entire episode of Christmas Eve night? Maybe they could go on like this for a while. Who knows? I also wanted to mention, as far as the viewership, we had spoken briefly about this. We definitely have taken a drop each season, from season one, two, three, and now four gone a little lower. But this past episode four was back up a tiny bit from episode three. The viewership got a little bump. 
I don't understand why so many people dropped off. It's a great show. There, Of course, it's not perfect, and there were seasons or episodes where we just didn't get it, or it was too Sam Esmail, but... <laughs> Too smart for its own good. I think that's the answer. If you look at the graph, the numbers were enormously high in season one, and most people that watch still feel that was the best season. Pretty strong returning for season two, but a lot of people were unhappy, and you see that dip around midway through season two, and then fewer people returning season three. Now you have kind of a more steady number throughout season three and four. I think the people who were huge fans stayed on, and it kind of leveled off after yeah. that point. It could also be that more and more people are... are Getting rid of cable, which we're thinking mm-hmm. about doing, but we will, you know, maybe do YouTube TV. So we'll still have, <clears throat> so we'll still hopefully have USA and things like that. But I think that could be some of the reason, maybe. Yeah, it could be. Well, we have a lot to cover, so let's jump into our synopsis. We'll discuss the opening, but then we'll follow each of those three storylines, from Dom to Darlene, and finally ending with Elliot. We have to talk about this opening scene. The episode begins where we left off, zooming in on the man inside the van outside of Elliot's apartment. We hear the conversation between Elliot and Tyrell, where Elliot apologizes, saying the install on the computer failed that morning. It's clear they're buying time. Yeah, but it was cool. I, I don't know how this man in the van doesn't realize that. But Elliot continues that he needs to adjust the swap partitions, all of these things supposedly he's doing. He says, boot device not found. And in the van, the interference on the device gets louder and louder. Until the man finally steps out of the van and Tyrell hits him in the head. He tells Elliot that he's dead and instructs that if the recording wasn't sent back to the DA, they need to wipe everything to make sure they can't track it. Did you think he was dead? I always, I mean, maybe I'm jaded from movies and TV shows, but always hit him at least one more time. Absolutely <laughs> not. It even looked like he moved once. Yeah, I didn't right know if that was my Right after Tyrell mind. was looking at him. Yeah, I didn't know if that was my mind playing tricks, but... Just, when in doubt, try one more time. And Elliot's smarter than that, no? Well, you're not really thinking smart when you're in situations like this, you know? Yeah, but he's been in crisis mode for four seasons now. They're even thinking, okay, we got to wipe the logs to make sure the Dark Army doesn't hear about it. Mr. Robot says it looks like they were never sent, so they just have to get rid of the body in the van. The real mistake, they drive to the gas station, and Tyrell tells Elliot to go inside to get a lighter, but when the three return to the parking lot, they realize the van is gone. Well, maybe Mr. Robot should have hung back, you know? Yeah. Someone. Obviously, you can't do that. <laughs> but I kept thinking, if only we still had F Society. Elliot could have called someone from the F Society to take care of this. Mm-hmm. We know Elliot has so much to do. How is he not more panicked this whole time saying, like, we got to get this over with. I have shit I got to do. I got to break into White Rose and the, the bank. It's Christmas Eve night. can't spend all night. <laughs> Tyrell, man, deal with it. He is getting frustrated with Tyrell later on, though, telling him, essentially, this is all his fault. And all he does is mess things up. Maybe is a little bit true. It's not entirely his fault. But mistake number one, why does he go into the gas station? Why does he go into the store knowing that he's so recognizable? He says it later. I think she realized who I was. Well, yeah, Tyrell, your face is on TV everywhere. Yeah. He should have stayed out there. He, you're right. He really should have. Dumbass. <laughs> but they, I guess they needed gas because they're going to... Well, well, here's another question. They were going to douse the van and set it on fire. So how were they going to get home anyways? Maybe Elliot was hoping to call Darlene? I guess so. They had no phone service. That's and, why they kept trying to get to the town, though. Right. And, of course, Elliot's not thinking about the app that Darlene installed where she can pinpoint where he is. Yet again, though, Elliot is a smart dude. There's a lot of things he's not 
considering right now. I don't know if that's because he's so busy compartmentalizing. Or because he truly wants to remain lost. Mm-hmm. Could be. Sound effect. <laughs> he's, he's looking for Ed so that he can get a new identity and escape to Alaska. We're going to put that on pause, though, and briefly discuss what's happening with Dom, who's home alone on Christmas Eve, getting off to interrogation footage of Darlene. I don't love this. Well, it's not that I don't love it. It's not that it's out of character, because when we were first getting introduced to Dom, this this was the kind of weird shit she was doing, remember? I know, but it's creepy. And I remember back then, that's when Alexa was so new that not a lot of people had it, including Mm -hmm. us. And now when she talks to Alexa, I'm like, Psh, I got that shit. <laughs> now when she does that, our Alexa responds. <laughs> yeah. She pulls up this sex chat forum that she used to frequent and starts talking to an old friend. Happy heart on Henry. The online guy, in quotes, suggests meeting up for in-person sex. When Dom tells him she likes girls in real life, hard Henry admits she's a woman. So Dom tells her to come over and the woman agrees. I guess her name is Rachel. I couldn't find that. Somebody said that's the case. Dom shows her into the apartment. They share a beer and she admits she likes the chats because of how she can control everything. She also admits it's the first time she's invited someone from IRC to her house. Things go very wrong when Dom goes to the bathroom and finds a scene set with candles and rose petals that she didn't put out. The woman comes in with a mask on and pushes Dom under the water in the bathtub. She tells her you should give into it, give up control, and realize you'll never be free. Well, with a dark army mask. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess this is just Dom coming to the realization that she will no longer have total control of anything in her life from this point on. She didn't know that from all of the antics with (laughs) Janice? I mean, what's new here? Is it that she should give up Um, and just give into it? Yeah, maybe. Not try to keep fighting back? Or maybe it's what pushes her to go see Elliot. She's going to have to be brought into the fold eventually, and it's going to have to make sense. We keep saying that, but it's episode four already. I'm just questioning how in the heck they're going to tie this in, especially when it turns out it all is in her subconscious. In the next scene, she wakes up in bed, having fallen asleep mid-chat, and she notices her mother's been texting to see if she was coming over. It's Christmas Eve, but Mm. she never answered. And that's that. That's that. (laughs) All right, let's go over to Darlene. After a long shot of the dark city street, we see Darlene leaving an angry voicemail for Elliot. She got into Olivia's Cypress National Bank account, but her access isn't good enough. While Darlene can see the numbers, she's not authorized to transfer anything. All their authentication goes through a proxy, and everything else on the domain is read-only. That means they'll have to break into virtual realty. Mistake, Jason? Virtual realty? Virtual reality? Hello. Hello. (laughs) This is going to be hard. They actually have to get onto the servers. Darlene is standing in front of this building. She's ready to go, but Elliot's nowhere to be found. And the clock 404. is... 4.04. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Yeah, the meeting is tomorrow. I love the fact that she leaves this angry, angry message, then decides to redo the message, delete that one. Oh, she's calling him and a dickhead. She tells him to fuck off and die. She's getting it all out. And then the next one's like, hey, Elliot, can't get in. Call me. Isn't that what you do? <laughs> That's what I love about it. <laughs> Although I actually thought knowing Darlene, she would just leave it and save another voicemail. Well, I think that's Let him very, hear it. Well, I think that's very reminiscent of the journey she's going to go on in this episode. 
She has two major emotions going on. and She has to get to a point where the all-knowing Tobias, Lord Tobias, <laughs> lets her realize sometimes you got to take care of yourself or at least know what you're doing when you're taking care of someone else. Santa's coming in to drop the wisdom bomb. Did this remind you of the magicians? Oh, yes, where that's right. Alice gets a visit from a wise Santa. Well, she's also trying to tell Elliot now is the time to access this virtual realty because security is lax due to Christmas. I'm wondering later on if she's planning on going back there herself, if she's given up on it altogether. After flipping out on the phone and re-recording the message, she goes to Elliot's apartment and finds the notepad. It's then she tracks him through her GPS and locates him at Solomano's Stop and Shop. Thus, she needs to steal a car. (laughs) Oh, Darlene. She's caught by the drunk owner, Tobias who's finished with his shift as Santa and can't find his keys. I absolutely love Tobias, played by John Glazer. Oh, man. This episode was actually, while being beautiful and very dreamlike, it was funny. There was a lot of comedy throughout Mainly because of these two. For sure, but there was some uh, funny parts with, with the boys as well. I think in the, in the shop was pretty funny. I love the, I have two questions. Where's my keys? Okay, it was just one question. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Darlene manages to work this situation to her advantage. She promises to drive him home upstate if she can use the car after, and he agrees. So I said this to you, and I I believe a lot of people, I mean, we're, Sam's got us paranoid for everything. While they're driving, I started thinking, he's not actually drunk. He works for the Dark Army. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not his car. That's why he didn't have keys for it. They just used that opportunity to get her in the car, drive upstate where there's no one around, And kill her. I agreed with you. I thought for sure that's where this was going. And it would have fit perfectly. I'm really happy it didn't, though. Me too. We get some hysterical moments. On the way, Tobias is nodding in and out of sleep. In the meantime, delivering what seems to be these very depressing, kind of deep philosophical statements. He tells Darlene he was thinking about Jimmy, a good guy who fell on tough times. He laments that sometimes the world seems to be kicking you down and you can't seem to get back up. Until finally, you're looking at the world with a lot of questions and picturing it without you. I mean, really, why is he saying all of these things if it turns out in the end that he's not suicidal? He says he's quoting movies and famous people, but talking about the kids with cancer? Well, that's where he came from. And I I think he is depressed or sad about that. And you know when you're drunk, there's times where you just get into like this little depressed state. Um, maybe that's where he's at. To so flippantly later, though, be like, I'm fine. What's the matter with you? I'm just drunk. How many drunk people have you been around where one second they're upset and the next I second they're like, hey, guess party! So. It was kind of a stretch <laughs> later when we figure out what's happening. I thought it was too good to be a stretch for me. <laughs> oh, he does talk about this Santa gig saying he used to love it, but it might be his last time. It was easier with his wife, but she had an accident. <laughs> Uh, He pulls out a bottle of alcohol and then Percocet. Darlene is getting concerned. When she arrives at his house, brightly lit with Christmas decorations, and they see a car in the driveway. (laughs) The same car. Make and model. She's saying, what's going on? Tobias drunkenly remembers, oh yeah, Kenny drove him to work that day. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. He doesn't have a clue whose car this is. But as he goes to leave, a concerned Darlene follows him to say she wants to prevent his suicide. Confused, Tobias tells her all those cryptic statements were actually Steinbeck quotes. The Percocet are for his wife who threw her back out decorating. Uh, fun fact, this was Carly Chaikin's first scene of the season on the job 
Like this is the first scene she recorded while acting. Kind of an amazing Isn't it crazy? Scene. I always forget, or at least I never really think about the fact that they don't shoot in chronological order. Isn't that crazy? That must make acting a little more difficult. Absolutely. It's great because it's sort of a good warm up. There's some comedy on the front end, but Mm. she does have to get more serious when she's talking about Elliot. Also, a fun aside, the Steinbeck quote Tobias is mentioning, farewell has a sweet sound of reluctance. Goodbye is short and final. A word with teeth sharp to bite through the string that ties past to the future. Just fun time analogy things (laughs) happening. Tobias shifts concerns to Darlene. He starts to pick up on the fact, is she projecting? Is everything really okay with you? And she opens up about losing everyone except her brother. She's worried this time could be different for him and he might even be dead. Then she's not sure why she bothers. (laughs) Look what he does to her. Getting into the car, Tobias comes back once more to tell her he hopes her brother is okay, but she also needs to worry about herself. Well, I love after she first pours her heart out about it, he just says, okay. He turns around and I thought he was just going to leave. Mm-hmm. But he, when he drops this bomb, do you think Darlene continues to go pick up her brother or go back home? That's what makes me think perhaps not when she does stop the car. And it seems like she's having second thoughts. She's getting frustrated. We never see what happens after that. But we do know that Elliot has to get back somehow. Right. The entire episode, I thought she's not going for him. Until the very end when Tyrell walks off and Elliot's stuck there alone. Now I'm not sure how else we would get Elliot back. I feel like it has to be Darlene. I guess once he gets service, he can get an Uber, something like that. But If they take Ecoin, we know Tyrell's the only one that was carrying cash. That's right. <laughs> well, Uber, there's no cash anyways. True. I think we even saw on the show somebody get into one or a taxi and it took Ecoin. That's the end of Darlene's story for here. Let's move over to the big stuff with Tyrell and Elliot. They're walking the woods. First at the gas station shop, the woman tells Tyrell and Elliot the internet and phone are down. They're in the middle of nowhere. They can't even get reception. She notes they could travel to the nearby town of Pikes Hollow, but it's too far to walk unless they take the shortcut, which would be about 30 minutes. Pikes Hollow, it's worth mentioning, is a town where they filmed the infamous Sopranos episode. Uh, Pine Barrens, where they were lost in the snowy woods and craziness ensued. Those woods must be... I mean, it looks beautiful, but I thought, you know, you frame any woods correctly, it's going to look beautiful. But maybe those woods in particular are very, very beautiful. And a little scary. That too, yeah. But people are talking about the parallels, as in that one, the character Valerie was shot and then disappeared. His fate questionable. He didn't die. He stumbled off. There's a shot where... It looks like the camera's up in the tree. That's your vantage point, almost wondering if he had climbed up in the tree and managed to get away later, but you'd never know. Hmm. You never learn just what like, happened to him. Just like Tyrell, probably. Mm-hmm. The woman in the store is sidetracked, as she's sure she recognizes Tyrell, probably from Big Brother. She probes, but Elliot gets frustrated and demands the directions. Yet again, angry Elliot coming out to play. No patience for this woman. I would have been angry by that point too, though. Tell me she didn't give them wrong directions, though, because of this attitude. I really well, think sure. that's what got them lost. Yeah. Plus, they're, it's dark. They're in the woods. Oh, yeah. But I think that left by the creek thing was <laughs> yeah. nonsense. She notes on the way out, he should be less rude. So the three walk into the snowy woods. Tyrell asks Elliot if he's ever considered just leaving, disappearing from the stress and pain to a place where he could start over reinvent himself, find peace. Be not found. Mm-hmm. We were watching very carefully. Yes. 
because snow is the perfect backdrop to figure out which of these people exists in reality right now. Are they leaving tracks? What can we see? Esmail is filming this in such a way that it's very difficult to notice. It appears as they're walking that all three men's feet sink down into the snow. This could just be a trick of the light. If you look behind them, though, after they walk, I don't see any prints behind Mr. Robot. Uh, I believe that was on purpose. That was definitely digitally painted in after to get rid of the prints. But Tyrell and Elliot have prints. Both have prints. Yeah. So it is tough because of the dark and the fog, but we paused and watched it a couple of times. I think that people felt pretty strongly, for the most part, there still were some believers that Tyrell is a manifestation of Elliot. It was harder and harder to see as things went along in reality, like Tyrell being on TV, being the recognizable face of E-Corp that even the woman in the gas station notices. But this episode just served to confuse people more because they really are playing with the idea. That it's all Elliot. He's alone out there. Exactly. It does. And it caused me to start second-guessing myself as well, especially the way they were shooting the three of them walking. The angles sometimes... It would look like Tyrell right now is in charge of the other two personalities because the other two are behind him. And just the way they shot it, it's like that could all that could be all three personalities in this dreamlike state. Exactly. But then when Elliot starts getting angry and hijacking the conversation, it's him in the front. Yes. And Tyrell and Mr. Robot lagging back. But those tracks in the snow, him wandering off at the end, I, I don't know. I I still feel pretty firmly that Tyrell is a real person. I have to agree with you. And there's many other reasons, too. The beginning of this season, we have Price saying to Tyrell that he's going going to be the CIO, not CEO. Initially. You know, he's telling him it's all nonsense. You don't really have power. You know, if it was just Elliot, he wouldn't be speaking like that. White Rose says she's going to make the offer for him to be CEO. Yeah. She would never say that if this was Elliot. A couple of seasons ago when Elliot ran into Tyrell's wife and the way they looked at each other, that's obviously Tyrell's wife wasn't like Tyrell, mm-hmm. you know? So Well, and now, only- now this whole thing about Tyrell's face being all over television, everybody recognizing him, that, that really doesn't add up. There's one possibility with Sam Esmail saying, you've known this person all along. It could be that in season one, Tyrell was a formidable foe and he was a big asshole He was good at computers as well. That real Tyrell never actually has this closer relationship that we see further on in the season. Instead, Elliot has manifested his own Tyrell in his head. A version of him. Yeah. So there still is a Tyrell who's going to be CIO or CEO. I keep getting those mixed up. This is is an imaginary Tyrell in the woods. And that's the one he's getting rid of right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it is a possibility. I think it's going to become very clear next episode or whenever we see the meeting that mm-hmm. White Rose is calling, thinking she's electing Tyrell, their new, their new CEO, what And if happens? he's right there, we'll be like, oh, okay, well. But then... Yeah, that's where we'll get the answers. But then there'll be people on the internet saying, well, whatever glowing thing that they found... It's just White Rose's project. Saved his life or something, mm-hmm. you know? I don't yep. Know. There was also a note from another critic about the filming here, which I love, saying it's a starkly lit journey with the bright moonlight casting shadows and reflecting off the snow. A smart bit of staging. The three men are nearly always shown marching from the right side of the screen to the left. 
forcing the viewer's eye to reverse its normal left-to-right movement and almost subliminally making the trek seem more arduous. They chalk it up to just that. But if you know about art therapy and the way things move across your field of vision, left-to-right, which is how we normally watch something, is moving from the past towards the future. So left being the past, the right being the future. The middle being the present. They're moving right to left from the future to To the the past. past. I don't know how familiar Esmail is, if this is just supposed to be uncomfortable, but if he knows anything about that and he is playing with the idea of time, that could be a sure indicator. Mm. It could also, and this is something we've mentioned a long time ago, denote something about when he used to do the framing with the camera and things being off into that far right corner again being the future. And I would love to go back and look at some of those things now to see... Was that showing where that person was at that point in time? Literally in time? Oh, wow. But let's, I guess, wait and see where this goes if it becomes relevant. At this point, Robot thinks they've been walking for hours. Is it possible or is he exaggerating? Um, it's possible. It really that is. that is wasting a lot of time. Yes. Man. Well, they definitely should have come to the creek by now. Elliot blames Tyrell for the situation, realizing the man in the van wasn't dead. This is all his fault, and Tyrell is nervous that the shop lady recognized him. They start to argue, but Robot manages to calm them down. They hear noises in the woods that Elliot writes off to an animal. Very bizarre, though. That has to have a metaphoric meaning. It has to. It's no normal animal, for sure. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I don't want to guess too much. I can't imagine what that is. It would be wild speculation. I don't remember if it was a blog I was reading or one of our clatchers saying that maybe it was um, animals that were, you know, being created, like a new breed of animal. But we have no indication of that. People who are looking at this from a symbolic point of view that thought, don't read too far into this episode, it is just a big character analysis in an artsy way, had said, this could be a dying animal the harbinger of death coming to somebody for the group being foreshadowed earlier on. I like that. Which I do enjoy. And Mr. Robot giving some ominous quotes saying, you search, you find all is well. But what if you search and you don't find? How long do you look? Eventually you got to give up, right? Then what? That thing you were searching for, what becomes of it? How How could you you ever ever know? know? Uh, You're never going to know what happened to Tyrell, maybe? We won't. (laughs) Especially going off of the way Sam's been doing this. I don't think we're going to find out what happened to Tyrell. Nope. And or what that glowing thing was. Oh, yeah. There's going to be no answer to that. And I think it's better if there's no answer. I want a hint of connection, though, that I can put it together for myself. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Singing a Christmas song that annoys Elliot, Tyrell starts reflecting on why he always dresses the same. Elliot has the black hoodie, black jeans, black shoes. Unlike himself and his $6,000 suit with silk tie, Elliot doesn't care and never has. Tyrell says, I finally get it. I actually actually care. You know what? That's why I'm a failure. My entire life, I've been an outsider, worried what other people think of me, how I can make them happy, because I needed their approval, their acceptance. 
but you never cared. The first day we met, there we were, all safe's most important clients roaming through the office, and you couldn't care less. He had his own project going uh, on. Maybe this is true, though. All of this weirdness we've been seeing with Elliot this season. So he finally cares? No, he's being either more Elliot, who actually doesn't care, and Mr. Mm. Robot's having to step in now for the first time and say, what's going on with you, dude? Yeah. Or this guy who does wear the hoodie up is another guy, the way we have been batting back and forth since we heard about the other guy. Oh, I see. I see. And that's why when Elliot saw his old therapist, he pulled the hoodie down because mm-hmm. that was Elliot That was Elliot. Out. Okay. The Elliot who was sorry, who wrote her a letter. Mm. I've made progress, I swear. But this version that Tyrell sees that he's now piecing together, who is there with him again in the woods, is this guy who just doesn't give a shit, doesn't care that his mother died, doesn't care about people like Freddie Lomax dying. I'm really interested to figure that part of the psyche out, regardless if it is part of him or not. At this point, they finally hear traffic sounds and rush toward the road, only to find they're back to exactly where they started, at Salamanos. Now, another comedic moment right there. Oh, (laughs) how much does that suck? They change plans, thinking, well, they'll walk down the road. However long it takes, they're going to get to this town. Elliot insists on continuing along, but Tyrell thinks they're lost. Wherever they're walking to, it ends with death. He's saying it right here. (laughs) The Dark Army soldier has probably reported back by now. He finally sits down and asks Elliot, did he ever really care about him? Upon pressing the point, Elliot answers no. When Tyrell responds that he's giving up, Elliot gets frustrated and turns the conversation over to Mr. Robot yet another time. Whenever it gets too much lately, Mm -hmm. he gives it to Mr. Robot to handle. It looks like he's going to do that. But Elliot turns around and yells in Tyrell's face that he's done. Tyrell wonders if he ruined Elliot's vision of being a god and a savior. Is that what he wanted? Now his hoodie's up at this time. Mm-hmm. Elliot agrees. Tyrell ruined everything and starts walking away. Tyrell says all signs point to the same destination. Is he that much in his own head that he can't <laughs> see it? And that's when we get the speech from Mr. Robot about wanting to not be found. But Elliot walks back to Tyrell. Foolishly, I did not notice. Did he take his hood down here? Oh. Because um, he's different when he walks back. I think he did, actually. I have to go back and look at this. This is where he says he's wrong. He he switches to more Elliot-like. He doesn't like being an outsider either. He's just good at hiding it. He tells Tyrell it felt wrong to leave him. And besides, quote, I think you're the only person I know that actually likes me. (laughs) Elliot admits he was right about them dying soon. He knew it as soon as they walked out of the gas station and found the van was gone. Tyrell wonders if there's no way out. Why keep going? But Elliot says he needs to at least try. He has to warn his sister. He's been a horrible brother, got her into this mess, and maybe she still has time to escape. So Tyrell agrees, and they walk on together once more. We get a couple of cut scenes that I'm not talking about here where they go back and forth between the walking and Darlene, but it culminates with Darlene beginning a drive and then stopping, as we mentioned, pulling off on the side of the road and crying. I'm going to take a guess here that she's going to gather herself and pick up Elliot. Mm. I think that's correct because A, how would Elliot get back? But B, they made this point of showing us her exchanging phones with Elliot at the funeral home, setting up this GPS tracking. She uses it to find where he's going. It'd be weird if that didn't pay off with her using it to find him. You know, I really hope, and and this is some of the things that I wish shows did more and did better. I really hope that this is a turning point for them 
from this point on, they work together and they work together well. I think that would make these storylines have even more meaning when we reflect on this episode. Yeah, and we've been talking about how increasingly alone Elliot has become over the seasons, losing everybody else from F Society, losing Angela at the beginning of this season. Now Tyrell is gone. It is legitimately just Darlene, That's other right. than Mr. Robot, yeah, who's there for him. And all their extras, F Society quote-unquote extras, everything's kind of restored for the normal people, right? They're either dead or they moved on. They've to the gone next back thing. to yeah. life. Yeah. In the last scenes, Elliot and Tyrell come upon a dead deer in the middle of the road. Then they see the van up ahead. It is swerved and pulled off onto the shoulder. Well, there's a dead deer. Is that another symbolism of death? Hmm. Is that what we heard crying? Well, he I didn't hears even think Tyrell. About that. Tyrell hears it again when he walks off after he's been shot. Oh, he does. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Well, slowly they both approach. Elliot and Robot creep up on the passenger side and duck just in time to miss the bullet the man fires through the passenger window. There is another shot, and it seems as though the man kills himself. As Elliot comes around to the driver's side, though, he finds Tyrell was shot in the stomach. He wants to take him to a hospital, but insisting the DA would find them and that he's done, Tyrell instructs Elliot to burn the van and all of the evidence. Make sure you take care of White Rose, he says. So during the getaway, the Dark Army soldier hits the deer, veers off. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing while he was driving, he, his vision's blurred. He's, been, <laughs> he's got a concussion. Mm-hmm. He's not doing well to begin with. Hits this deer. Now another concussion because he probably hit the Crashes tree. Crashes into the, the shoulder. Yeah. Manages to shoot them and then out of desperation shoots himself. I don't believe, especially considering that they're in the woods, we know there's no internet, no service, I don't believe that White Rose was made privy to anything this Dark Army soldier has learned. Here's what's weird. Did he get two shots off? I only heard one shot. So either that one shot hit Tyrell, and then how is this man dead? Ugh. Um, Do do you know what I mean? Like, if you're tracking weirdness as far as Tyrell in this scene? mm -hmm. I think there was three. There was three? Okay. Or four actually. So he could have ostensibly shot Tyrell. It looked like when Elliot looked in, the man was shooting himself, not Tyrell. But it happened very fast. Uh, Yeah. When he looked in, the man was shooting himself. But um, what's curious to me is the location that Tyrell was shot, lower left. You'd have to go through the door of the van to shoot him there. Because you got to remember the van is tilted up. Tyrell and Elliot are kind of going up a hill. So that angle to get around the door frame. It's curious. How does it happen? But I don't think that's something that's going to be explained. Probably not. It it is a little strange, though. I like this ending with Tyrell, who clearly cares a lot about Elliot, has wanted to help him to do the right thing. This is his opportunity to do that, to buy him a little bit of time. Elliot wants to help him, but he's saying, no, no, I'm just going to go now. And he turns off saying, I'm just going to take a walk. My answer would have been like, dude, we've been walking all night. What do you mean? (laughs) Haven't you had enough? And finally, alone, stumbling through the woods, Tyrell hears the animal sounds get louder until he comes upon something emanating a blue light and stares down at it. I think uh, I looked at his face a few times. There's a little bit of, there's pain, obviously, in his face, a little bit of awe, and almost a smile. Almost. Again, I... I don't think we're going to find out what that was. If it is death, it kind of makes sense. Tyrell's been ready to give up this whole episode. Now he's shot. He's in pain. He's got to be freezing cold, stumbling around. 
And it's almost a relief. It's finally come, except that there is that weird awe, smiling, I, I don't know, something more to that look. Yeah. Also, if you're looking for Curious, somebody noted right after that, when the end credits come up, it's an inverted version, black on white, as opposed to the typical white on black. Oh, the credits? Yes. Huh. And this was done, famously, in the Lost Season 5 finale, right <laughs> after which a character was sent back in time. Mm. Wow. And just, I just, I gotta, <laughs> you know, remark upon what I'm reading. Again, back to time. Mm-hmm. Sam, you are a clever bastard. You just, you. he loves messing <laughs> with us. It's going to be really funny at the end when it has nothing to do with anything. And he's like, what? What do you mean? What? I didn't say anything about time travel. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up for our plot. I think we said a lot. Just to recap, we don't think Tyrell is the third personality. But if he is, we think it's a personality of the real Tyrell that Elliot has consumed or uh, absorbed. Yes. However, if that is the case, making it at least four personalities, there's no way Tyrell is the other guy. You're right. I have to agree with you on that. I mean, yes. (laughs) When the little boy is in that room with Magda, they are in the room where Tyrell offers him the job eventually. And in that seat, too. Correct. I can see where your mind would go there, but does it make sense that that other personality has been doing all these weird things this season? And if we've seen Tyrell, why wouldn't we be seeing that on screen? Just to hold back on the surprise? Perhaps. But also, I'm really falling in love with your whole idea that when the hoodie's up, it's a different personality. Mm-hmm. So A hard Avenger of, type. Yeah. Which fits with the dissociative identity disorder. And even if that winds up being more sci-fi, some type of experimentation, I think they're keeping to some of the rules of how DID works because of the way they've been playing with the Mr. Robot personality in the past. I don't think they're completely putting all of that by the wayside. So it is likely that type of manifestation could be our third personality. Very hard and uncaring, wanting to seek retribution. And we all agree that the Dom thing, we're lost. I, I don't know what to make of that. If you have any thoughts about how this could be tying into the bigger storyline or what the significance significance could be other than just symbolically perhaps it's time for her to give in please feel free to write in let us know contact at coffeeclatchcrew.com and two more things the light at the end of the episode what is it will we ever find out the take on virtual reality we have a little bit more about what martin wallstrom has to say he gave an interview to the hollywood reporter but we're going to be going over that in our closer look so if you're interested stay tuned Did Darlene decide to give up on Elliot, or is she coming to get him at the end of the episode? And if not, how in the heck does Elliot get out of this situation? And when does Vera come into play? (laughs) I thought for sure his men were going to be in that van and that was going to have something to do with this. But no, he's still just hanging out there somewhere. But that does, you know, you remind me because we were discussing the end of last episode, who's in the van. Well, now that we know it was the Dark Army and we know the Dark Army followed Elliot from Olivia's house. That means that they know they know that Elliot is trying to break into the bank, which means that they probably know that Elliot and Darlene are going to try to break into virtual reality. What is it? Virtual (laughs) realty. Virtual realty. Yeah, I would think I would think they would have to assume that's his next step. I wonder. I I don't want it to just be them falling into trap after trap being set. I want them to outsmart them. And there's the fact that we know there's a lot of episodes left. Mm hmm. So we're not going to get these answers next week or the following. 
No, but I am thinking we'll get to see that meeting next week. <laughs> I, have to, I mean, the night's over, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Tyrell's dead. It could be a whole episode of what they do before that the meeting morning, starts. Yeah. They're having coffee. Well, they're breaking in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So maybe another Elliot and Darlene. I thought they would shift back and forth. I could argue they could do two episodes between that. I could see one whole one, though, of Elliot and Darlene with the virtual realty issue. It's just that having just lost Tyrell, it makes sense from a plot standpoint to go over to White Rose, who's planning on having this be the linchpin of her meeting in the dais group that she's electing Tyrell. Mm -hmm. It feels like a natural progression, but I hear what you're saying. Where does virtual real... Virtual realty fit into that. <laughs> you keep saying it. <clears throat> reality. Let's put a bow on this and move over to our robot ratings. On a scale of 1 to 10, Jason, what do you give 404 not found? Oh, I, I'm, uh, I'm torn. It was a beautiful episode. I'm going to stick with what I gave last episode. 8.9. You're robots. such a sucker. I am a sucker. <laughs> no, you know what? Let's go 8.8. .8. There we go. You bullied me into it. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to influence your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go down just a bit again to an 8.5. I do thoroughly enjoy the mood setting, the atmosphere, the character work, everything artsy Esmail is doing in this episode. The acting was tremendous between the three of them. And uh, let's not ever forget Tobias. I don't mind taking the action down, stopping it down for a second, even though I don't have the answers. Yes, I want them. But then perhaps I needed slightly more, slightly different. You know, what is the whole Dom thing? How does that fit in? Maybe even another level to the Darlene story. If you're gonna lean into it, lean harder. I don't know. I still liked it. I like this as a send-off for Tyrell. If that is, in fact, the end for him, it's been noted how incredibly gentle mm -hmm. his death is in comparison to every other death that we've seen on this show. He gets... Somewhat of a different ending, but it's it's not going to be my favorite for the season. It's just a, a good episode four. Yeah, agreed. So far, I'm actually liking this season better than last season. Yeah, overall, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I enjoyed season three. Me too. It was two that I had some problems with. I still didn't dislike it. I probably complained a lot in podcasts because that's what we do is pull things apart here. But three, I was a little bit more up on. And I've mentioned a couple times that this is feeling like a return to form for season one, which will always be my favorite. I think it's going to pick up again really soon as far as action and big picture are concerned. Absolutely. And now we move on to the Clatcher segment. Little announcement for the Clatchers. I don't know if this is official or not, but our Magicians fans, I was watching the Instagram Magicians Takeover, which they've been doing a lot lately, where cast members take over the Instagram and the Twitter social media. And Stella Maeve was asked, when will we get the next season of The Magicians? And she stated, January 2020, which means it's right around the corner. That's when they usually premiere. So that will be our next podcast. And hopefully we'll get the cast members back on to discuss this season. So mark your calendars. So let's move over to our Clatch headquarters, Twitter, at CKC Podcast. Thank you, everyone who has joined us during this season. Stick with us throughout the years while we review more of your favorite shows. So this week, like every week, we ask our Clatchers, who is your MVH, most valuable hacker? Our options are Tyrell, Elliot, Darlene, and Dom. Coming in, not surprisingly, fourth place is Dom. With a whopping 2%. 
Although, surprisingly, I thought this was going to be flipped. Coming in third place with 12% is Elliot. Well, I think Elliot was there as a support for Tyrell in this episode. That's safe to say, right? Yeah, Elliot and Mr. Robot both. I feel as though we were supposed to be learning something about Elliot Mm -hmm. through the foil of Tyrell and how they played off of each other. I'm not entirely sure how that's unraveling or where it's going to go in the future. But his time on screen doing anything was definitely minimized. And second place with 28%, Darlene. Well, she had some of the funnier sections of this movie, scenes of this movie. It's some good numbers for her to pick up considering it definitely is the B plot line. Elliot and Tyrell are the big thing. Then you have Darlene and then you have Dom. It's the S plotline. Santa, not B. The BS plotline, bad Santa. Bad Santa, According to our synopsis. (laughs) We should mention we do get the bad Santa reference. Oh, of course. From the movie, We've been poking fun at (laughs) the short synopsis provided by USA. To no surprise, coming in first place with a whopping 58% is Tyrell. That is the highest poll winner so far for this season we had price with 50 percent episode two tyrell he was never my favorite character i think he was more interesting in earlier seasons when he was an asshole and strong yes and his wife was very interesting playing into things he's been more low level kind of out of the picture for a while which i think is fine there wasn't as much for him to do i was starting to question the point of him even being in this universe, and sure enough... After season one, yeah. Well, even more recently, coming back this season, and we're just showing quick cuts of him as the face of E-Corp. I'm wondering where they're going to go with this. No sooner did the questions start coming up in my mind, but they remove him. I think that was very smart. Or did they? (laughs) I I kind of hope so. I mean, I know we've been going back and forth with that with Angela's death, Magda, and now Tyrell. This is way more ambiguous than the others. It's not like with Angela where we see her get shot in the head in the background Mm -hmm. or any number of other violent deaths. It felt like a beautiful way to go out. He was, he's shot. He is wandering through the cold in the middle of the night. Right. But there is a slim chance that you do survive that if you were to get, I'm saying in real life, if you were to get picked up and get help, you could still live through that. We don't see any way that that happens, Mm -hmm. but we're not seeing everything that occurs immediately after the end of this episode. I guess what I'm trying to say, not even taking into account sci-fi or supernatural things There is the most room for a character to survive in this instance compared to the other deaths we've gotten on the show. I see 0% chance of why you would do that. The only way he would survive is if that glowing thing was something magical and or that wasn't the real Tyrell. Mm -hmm. Um, But I must say, if I was going to go out, I'd rather go out with a shot in the head than suffer in the cold with a wound that's going to take you a while to bleed out and die. In the woods, scary, late at night. Yes, <laughs> except that it feels like he's kind of at peace right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Perhaps more than that character deserved, but it's a great send-off. He did lose a lot. He did. He did a lot of terrible things, if we think back to True. early Tyrell beating homeless people mm-hmm. to get his anger out. Killing people. I mean, <laughs> Roof scene. He, he wasn't the, yeah, he wasn't the best guy. But I definitely agree in what is probably our final time spent with Tyrell on top of such an artsy, fun type of episode to watch. The MBH has to go to him here, right? 
Oh yeah, I'm with you on that one too. Tyrell all the way for singing alone. <laughs> Jason, not only have you and I given the same MBH all season long so far, which we never do. We hardly ever agree oh, once. Wow. We have been in line with the polls all season long, which is an infrequent occurrence. It's a symbiotic relationship between us and our clatchers. Well, also, I think it just points to the creative vision of Esmail and how everything is coming together in the fourth and final season here of Robot. So as we move on to our Clatcher's comments, and we got a lot this time. But with that being said, this has been a fun podcast. It's our Halloween cast. It's officially (laughs) Halloween. Christina is dressed up like Black Swan, but the white one. The white swan. The white swan. (laughs) I'm not dressed up, uh, but Christina loves greeting the kids outside with the candy, and she loves to be dressed up with them. And She's so good with those kids. Halloween is my favorite time of year. We get to watch scary movies. We have the perfect windy, rainy setting outside. And now we're talking about a somewhat spooky episode of TV. It's wonderful. And Clatchers know I don't like scary movies. But this year, I think I've acquiesced a lot and I've enjoyed them. And tonight, we will be doing at least one or two scary movies of your choosing. One of them was on our Patreon movie poll. It did not get picked. I don't blame people. While it is a Stephen King, it was a short story and not a lot of buzz about it. It's In the Tall Grass. Absolutely something we have to check out, though. Mm. So if you follow us on Patreon, we will be sure to let you know our thoughts on that. And welcome to our new Clatchers. We got three new Clatchers this month. You will be entered in the drawing for the coffee break next month. And everybody else, what are you waiting for? Join us. CoffeeClatchCrew.com. Click on Patreon. Back to our MVH this week. Kirk says a difficult decision, but I finally settled on Tyrell. He moved the story and he moved me. I guess Steinbeck had it right. Goodbyes are short and final. So deep and so dark, Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brian's saying this episode was just, uh, (laughs) I give my vote to whomever, whomever Melly voted for. So let's see what Melly had to say. None of them deserve my vote. This episode was so bad, we didn't get an ounce of answer. We got an, it was just a dream bit, and that was boring. I'm mad right now. (laughs) Melly, we totally understand you. And she's referring to specifically the Dom storyline. That was was frustrating. And while I like the dream-like quality, Mm -hmm. the parts that have you questioning, is this really happening? Almost every scene with Elliot and Tyrell walking in the woods felt like maybe it wasn't real. I enjoy that playing with your mind, but the absolutely straightforward, she wakes up, Dom wakes up and none of this ever happened. Mm. It's so played out as a trope. I think it can still work when you have something interesting to bring to that, but I don't feel like they did that with her story. I have to agree. So far. Oren says, I loved this episode. To me, it was brilliant. See, we get the other side of that. Very divisive. This is great, but that's why I love our Clatcher's comments. I don't think the plot really matters anymore. It's just a beautiful collection of short stories, barely held together by the thread of yearning to belong. Five Nine, White Rose, Price, E-Corp. They're not real. They don't matter. Wow. I like that. That's a good way to think of it. <laughs> Kirk also wanting to give an honorable mention to the actor who played Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's saying how it's actually really difficult to act drunk convincingly. It is. It's true. You can go so far over the top, and he did have to play it pretty drunk. I thought he did wonderful. He, he played it drunk, but still like kind of witty and fun. Kind of philosophical yeah. and deep. But then he's like, well, no, I'm just, I'm just drunk, man. It's Christmas. <laughs> and that's John Glazer. He's awesome. He's been in a lot of things. Never the front man, though, unfortunately. Or and also wondering if 
Those theories about Tyrell could be correct. He says there might be two Tyrells, the real one and the one Elliot is imagining. Oh, there we go. Yep. The scene at the overpass was weird. Mr. Robot was conversing with Tyrell while Elliot was walking away. Oh, thank you, Oren, because we noticed that and forgot to mention it in the synopsis. I replayed it a couple of times. He's talking to Elliot when Mr. Robot comes over to try to deal with him, quote unquote, Uh and sits down. Tyrell kind of turns his head in the direction of Mr. Robot. Kind of. The other way. Just enough to be convincingly yes or no, you know? And then once Elliot starts to walk back over from the other side, he turns back around to face Elliot. Mm -hmm. If Tyrell is real, that shouldn't be happening. Yes, but I think this is one of those scenes where they were very careful of where Tyrell's head is. Because either way, it would make sense. Because he was looking out into the night. So it could have been that he was just kind of in his head with his thoughts, thinking out loud, shifting his head a little bit, but not... He never went all the way. Even the to volume Mr. Robot. of his voice, though, because Elliot's starting to get far away now, and he brings the level of his voice down because Robot's sitting right there. But would Elliot even be able to hear that? I see what you're saying that he could just be messing with us. That and the snow tracks, though, are one of the clearest kind of messing with your mind about those individuals that we've seen. Yeah, Sam's just laughing his way home, playing with us. But I like that. Orin's right on the ball with us. He always is. I also like this comment from Warren. He says, my wife was very sick of me asking, but is he the third persona? (laughs) The whole way through this episode. Other than that, there were so many pieces I absolutely loved. Like we are always looking at things in the worst possible light, just like drunk Santa. You know what? That's funny. Growing up, I was always that way, looking at things in the worst possible light. Until recently, the last couple of years, and I think you've helped me work on that, I have been a lot more positive. Mm Mm-hmm. Things in life didn't necessarily change tremendously, but I find the positives more often and I dwell on those instead. Or even the more realistic, rational thoughts, just a slight shift in perspective Mm -hmm. can really change. For instance, I think that Mr. Robot does that as part of Elliot's persona. He's not really negative. He's not super positive about stuff. He often takes on the stance, well, this is how it is and we just have to accept it. Joe says, felt this week fell short. No one really stood out to me. So I gave it to Elliot, which is kind of sad because I'm loving this season. Did we really need to waste an episode watching Darlene drive around drunk, drive around with drunk Santa and Dom having a dream? But Kirk says, I think they both learned something about themselves that will help them in future episodes. I'm hoping that is the case, that these are seeds planted. We don't know how or what they're going to grow into. I will say, I'm trying to remain very positive on my outlook as this is the final season, very often in shows we watched in the past, I would love the opening of the season. Then they would start to shift down a little in gear, slow it down, get a closer look at characters. If they went on with that too long, I would start to get nervous, saying they're not going to have enough time. Then they're going to rush things later on in the season. I'm going to be mad. We won't get all of our answers. And I got a lot of pushback on that. Just Enjoy the ride, live in the present, (laughs) like what you're getting right now. However, it usually would wind up that way. Yeah. Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) Where you would say to yourself, we had all this time earlier. Why did we waste it? I don't think that's happening. Please don't get me wrong. One episode does not equate to that. But with so many questions still on the table, big picture stuff we have to get to, I hope we don't spend too much time doing this. One thing I always remember with Sam is that he has at least one 
Sometimes two, but really one special episode every season. Yes. You remember the 90s uh, television show? Sitcom. sitcom. I mean, there's been plenty of them. And I love when the creator feels free enough to just like have some fun. The one shot, I mean, it wasn't not truly a one shot, but it felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what this is. And and that's great. Yeah. That is very exciting. We also got some Facebook comments and emails. Josh says, I felt like Sam was almost trolling us to make it seem like Tyrell was another personality. That can't be right, though. I'm sure we established that, especially when Elliot was questioning if he was real and discovered that he was back in the cab scene. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So I'm just totally lost in what that was, but it had a strong dreamlike feel to it. The whole Dom situation was really confusing, too, unless it's just meant to show that she's finally realized she has no choice but to accept her situation now. Well, that's kind of what we were saying, right? Mm. But that felt like more than a dream. Thanks to your damn AI theory, all I could come up (laughs) with was that it was a warning message transmitted into her robot subconscious. I guess a robot that's programmed to believe it's real would, would have a kind of subconscious. Darlene seemed to have the most straightforward and realistic scenes, but even those were confusing as hell. I'm guessing the entire point of her arc was the drunk Santa's advice that she needs to start looking out for herself as much as for Elliot. It was just so odd, but it did provide all the comedic moments that broke up the tension from Elliot and Dom's story. It was very beautiful. The score was spot on. The pace was intense and perfect. The way it was shot, especially Elliot and Tyrell's scenes. The light from the moon was so bright behind them that it felt like we were passing over to the other side with Tyrell. And what the fuck was he looking at there at the end? He had a look of awe on his face. Well, that's exactly what we said. Right awe, I think, is the right word to describe it. Maybe he's now in the dark forest in Harry Potter. And it's a horcrux. It's a horcrux. (laughs) Well, but thank you, Josh, because all of those comments really summing up the things I I think we took out of the episode and how we were feeling. Absolutely. And I love getting messages from Josh throughout the week. Daniel wrote in to say, you guys, two-factor authentication is available for free to everyone with phone apps like Google Authenticator. Everyone should have it for their personal banking, logins like Google and Facebook, and the physical devices. We were speaking about the security fobs last time are also not as expensive as you think. You can get a personal YubiKey for around $50. Thank you, Daniel. So a couple things there. When I started talking about the expense, I wasn't talking about two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much across the board on the internet now. Everyone gets that. If you're on a new computer, so let's say I'm signing into my bank at work instead of home, it'll notice you're on a different computer and it'll either text me a code or email me a code. And then I put that code in after my password, and I can get in. That's Mm. two-factor authentication, which, by the way, unfortunately, sounds really secure, but it's pretty easy to get around, unfortunately. Um, Not easy for someone like me, but easy for people who do that, break into people's shit for a living. Now, maybe I was wrong with this one, and I will be honest with you, I didn't do any research. Key fobs, I thought that was more expensive. Yeah, this is what I was asking you about, where we see Elliot take the fob from Olivia Cortez, And we spoke about how that string of numbers changes every 30 to 60 seconds. So he has to text it to Darlene quickly. That way they can get on before it changes. And I was thinking, why doesn't everyone have that? It's Mm -hmm. awesome. I'm wondering if there are levels of this, much like anything else, where there's some that are better, harder, change more often. I don't really know, but I would love to look into it. What I was thinking of is if a bank was to do that, At a big scale, at a large scale, it would be expensive for them 
but again, maybe it wouldn't. Um, but then again, now with smartphones, isn't that essentially the new key fob, if you think about it that way? I don't know. You know, there's sometimes during a podcast where I th- speak off of what I know, but knowing that I don't know 100% of what I know. Or what the latest stuff <laughs> latest, is that's yeah. out there. We also got an awesome theory from Arthur right after we finished recording the last episode. I'm so sorry that we weren't able to put it on there where we were speaking of what White Rose's project could be. And the closer look, we discussed particle accelerators. But Arthur says, on October 23rd in the New York Times, there was an article called Google Claims a Quantum Breakthrough That Could Change Computing. He says, when reading this, I made a couple of connections. My theory is that White Rose is building a quantum computer. In the article, they state a quantum machine could one day drive big advances in areas like artificial intelligence and make even the most powerful supercomputers look like toys. Josh, artificial intelligence, AI, just, just you know, keep uh, dwelling on that because now here it is again. <laughs> the company said the Google device did in three minutes and 20 seconds a mathematical calculation that supercomputers could not complete in under 10,000 years. That's crazy because we discuss computers nowadays being so much more powerful than the first computers the same way. That mm-hmm. much of a leap. Just uh, also some fun facts. I can do it in three minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> they also state China is spending $400 million on a national quantum lab and has filed almost twice as many quantum patents as the U.S. in recent years. One more detail that connects to the show's plot is how the article describes what quantum computers look like. Their machines look nothing like a regular computer. They are large cylinders of metal and twisted wires dropped into stainless steel refrigerators. So in real life, China is making a big play in in computational technology, which has continuity with White Rose's backstory making deals with IBM. In real life, quantum computing will soon revolutionize our world, like the silicon chip did in the 70s. Whoever wields this technology will have unmatched power in relation to others. It is perfectly in line with the motivations of White Rose. The New York Times article also states, one day researchers believe these devices could power advances in artificial intelligence or easily overwhelm the encryption that protects computers vital to national security. Because of that, the governments of the U.S. and China could consider quantum computing a national security priority. Hmm. Meaning she might be able to decrypt all the information from governments, financial, and would have unmatched power. Wow. But there's a whole other dimension to this theory. In quantum computing, a single object can behave like two separate objects at the same time. By harnessing that odd behavior, scientists can instead build a quantum bit, or qubit, which stores a combination of one and zero. Two qubits can hold four values at once, and the number of qubits grows a quantum computer becomes exponentially more powerful. I'm not sure of the mechanics of this, but perhaps Elliot and his multiple identities are a byproduct of the quantum experiments happening underground in his hometown. Maybe he has qubits in his psyche, allowing him to be more than one person at once. A bit of a stretch, but it would tie the strange tech and his condition together in a more satisfying and conceptually consistent way than any other theory I've heard so far. Dun, 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 dun. Qubits. And that was my big problem when you started first talking, Jason, about a supercomputer as a Mm. way to harness information, be a step ahead of the rest of the world. I said, well, how does that fit in with Elliot and the multiple person? 
and the multiple personalities thing. This is a great theory that a single object can behave like two separate objects at the same time. Yeah. Surely there's a way that would fit in. That a single object can behave like two separate objects at the same time. So, Elliot, it's robot. his mind, but it's <laughs> from an experiment. Wow. He is kind of like a computer or a robot in a way. Arthur, I'm sold. I think that's amazing. I hope that's what's going on. And thank you so much for writing in with all of that great info. Perfect. And Christina, we just got a few emails while we were recording. Ty also bringing up some of these same questions. Number one, what did Tyrell find at the end of the episode? I'm thinking a button to restart the simulation, but it also could be a glowing robotic animal. Oh, there we go. There's the animal thing. A button to restart. How trippy... Well, if this is a Matrix-type situation. Yeah, or virtual reality. How trippy would it be if we... Oh, didn't I say that last episode? If the end of the season finishes off with Elliot going back into the restaurant in season one. Yeah, and don't forget we were saying before that the end credits are inverse. Mm-hmm. Much like the last episode where back there was time. a time jump. So, Ty, that would fit in somehow. I'm not sure how. But that leads him to question two. Is Tyrell dead? And how has so much happened in two days? <laughs> yeah, agree. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but I have to say, I really think we're not going to revisit that blue glow. So that's all of the theorizing, but we also want to thank Tim for writing in. We really appreciate your kind words, as well as the new reviews that we got this week on iTunes. Thank you to Teach100 for leaving a five-star review on the regular Coffee Clatch crew page. And Mark the Music for leaving a five-star review on the Mr. Robot specific channel. And that's music to my ears. Thank you so much. And keep those reviews coming. We need to let the world know that we're out there. Sometimes I feel like we should be doing a YouTube video because I go to these YouTube reviews. I see that they have 30,000 downloads or views and it's not in depth like we go. Mm -hmm. And it always makes me wonder, are we driving the wrong bus? <laughs> so that wraps up the episode proper. We do have a closer look. It is not a spoiler. It is just about that interview with Martin Wallstrom. As we mentioned, he was interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter. He said, quote, Here we get the missing piece of why Tyrell is so in love with Elliot. It's that he just doesn't care. He doesn't have to be someone for Elliot. Elliot turns out to be almost an idol. Someone Tyrell wishes he was, that he didn't have to care about what other people think of him, to fit into this frame that he created for himself. Elliot stands for all the freedom that Tyrell really wants. Esmail says, On a script level, this episode was one of my favorites. We knew this was going to be it for him meaning Tyrell. We knew he wouldn't be long for this world, but then we started thinking about it. What does that episode look like? The way this guy entered our show, it was like he was from Pluto. He was really bizarre and weird in an emotional and pathetic way. We needed to create an episode that leans into who he is, an odd creature that really loves Elliot. Oh my God, so that light is just his ship back to Pluto. <laughs> he says Tyrell's relationship with Elliot was the best part of that character. We really wanted to spend time with just the two of them because we had never done that. We needed to construct an episode where we could have two people finally hash out how they feel. We wanted to see them connect. And then in Tyrell fashion, we wanted to have a surreal tone to the whole thing. An existential backdrop of the desolate woods and the cold with nothing else in sight. Nothing to hear except for an odd sound they can't quite pinpoint. The howl of death. It felt so appropriate. Oh, Howl of Death. Yeah. And finally, Wallstrom says about the ending, it wasn't clear to me what that was. Sam and I talked about it, but in my mind, we weren't sure if it's something that only we see or if it's something that's in his head 
When I thought about it, it was so much about coming to peace with everything finally working out. For me, I saw it as him realizing his son would be okay. It's not the way he planned things, but he would be okay and Elliot would be okay too. And he'll take down White Rose. It's a relief for Tyrell. I think he's thinking all of this struggle, it was useless, but it's fine now. I'm going to die. It was definitely freeing for him. I'm going to take a walk. Well, that's what we said about being at peace. Yeah. I mean, he's ready to go. So still not shedding any more light on what the light was, but... You know what, though? Listening to you read that, I think it's final for Tyrell, and I think it's final for what that light is. It's no longer part of the story. It, we're not Yeah, whatever it was, that's, that's as much as we're going to get on it. And that just takes us to our preview for next episode. So if you are afraid of those spoilers, we will see you next time when we review episode 405. Before you go, I just want to remind you there's free CKC Mr. Robot wallpapers available for you, for your tablet, your phone, and your computer. Just go to coffeeclatchcrew.com, click on Clatcher's Corner, Wallpapers, and enjoy. Well, there's not a ton in that preview. It's a bunch of those quick cut Mm -hmm. scenes where you can't really tell what's going on. The big thing is that Dom is looking at a clock and she says, time's up. So I don't know if that's time's up for her, the dark army, what's happening there. But they also call it a special episode, unlike any other. Oh boy. That's in the descriptions about it. Now, this is going to be 405, Method Not Allowed. And the brief synopsis says, no Christmas laughs for Dom. Krista plays hooky. Darlene and Elliot give a runaround. All right. So it looks like Dom is really going to come into the fold next episode. Darlene and Elliot give a runaround to Dom. I'm thinking Vera, again, will be a no-show. Oh, I'm thinking Krista plays hooky means she's in trouble. And this is the Vera going after her episode. Oh, yes. You're right. I forgot about that. Because if we're trying to slow it down and stall for time... Getting more of a look into Dom and then Krista and what's happening with Vera would mm-hmm. make a lot of sense. And then perhaps we get the Elliot and Darlene trying to get into virtual realty, uh, method not allowed, whatever they're trying okay. isn't working there. And perhaps we save the meeting for 406 not acceptable. What you said. <laughs> but we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Clatchers, thank you again. Another amazing episode. Happy Halloween to everyone. Please tell your friends, your family members, everyone about us. Let's get this army built. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me.